You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, guys? This is 3M Podcast. My name is Charlie. My name is Sean. And once again, we have with us our good homie, Reed. What's up, guys? Hey, yo. Two weeks in a row. This is wild. <laughs> it's almost as if we recorded both of these one right after the other. Oh, uh, no. Who wouldn't be able to do that? This dude? is a really long to... dinner DJ's, DJ's at. <laughs> yeah, I feel kind of bad because uh, he's at my brother-in-law's birthday dinner. <laughs> You're not there. <laughs> I'm not there. <laughs> but... Horrible person. Get wrecked. I know. So Reed started telling us a story right before we started recording the second episode, and we all yelled, stop, tell it, tell <laughs> yeah, it on pod. Real. So you were talking about, oh, sorry, 3AM, we're a, a comedy horror podcast. We share scary stories. We share funny stories, stories from our past and whatnot. If you're into that sort of thing, welcome. New listeners, welcome. Old listeners, welcome. Anyway, so you were getting your license. <laughs> yeah, so... um I was getting my license, and uh, we were just driving through this area in West Medford. So you're, like, testing at the DMV, right? Yeah. So okay. it's like, I've done my written. I just got to drive now. Um, right. So I'm, like, super nervous. I'm a little bit young. I'm really young for my grade. So this is, like, everyone else has their license. So it's kind of like, yo, when is Reed going to get his license? Because he's so young, <laughs> you know. So this is, like, second semester, junior year. And uh, finally, I'm able to drive. So I'm... We're driving through this this little residential area, and uh, I'm, like, anticipating, like, the dreaded, like, parallel park, right? <laughs> you know, where you have to you have to parallel park and then back up, like, 10 yards. Without hitting the curb. Without hitting the curb. Yeah. Um, and so the instructor, he was like, hey, once we pass this corner, why don't you go ahead and parallel park, and we'll back up, and we'll be like, we'll, we'll drive back to the DMV. So it's like towards the end, I'm still super nervous. And uh, so we kind of get to the corner where I'm supposed to be parallel parking. And uh, he's like, pull over. And I was like, okay. So like, I'm like looking over, making sure I'm, everything's good. I'm dr- pulling over very slowly so I don't hit the curb. And he's like, no, pull over now. He like yells it at me. What? <laughs> so I'm like, freak. So like I pull over really quickly and uh, he just jumps out of the car and just starts running down the street. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? You're I'm that nervous. bad of a driver. Yeah, I'm like, did I just fail? Like, this is going to be humiliating. I'm like looking through the rearview mirror, and he's like back, like ten to twelve cars, and I see he uh, stops, looks under one car, and bends over and picks up this baby. Oh. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and then so he picks up this baby and just starts running. He runs across the street and just starts running, banging on house doors like. Whose baby is this? Like, he's trying to figure out what's going on, you know? And it's, like, obviously a very dangerous environment for a baby to be in. Okay, was this baby, like, able to crawl? This baby was able to crawl. Oh, my oh gosh. Oh, my gosh, dude. And so, um, finally, he bangs on this door about, like, 40 meters down from where we parked. And this this lady was like, oh, my gosh. Like, no. And just grabs the baby and says, thanks for helping, like, closes the door. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> And uh, the instructor is, like, obviously not going to let this slide. Like, he major child endangerment charges, right? Yeah. <laughs> he, like, runs over to the car and was like, hey, I don't have my phone on me. I need your cell phone. You're like, sir, I am not allowed to use the <laughs> cell phone in a vehicle. Are you testing me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hand, over, hand over my phone. Calls 911. We, like, wait for the police to show up. He 
kind of gives a statement. And then uh, we just drive back. He's like, all right, head back to the DMV. And I'm like, I don't know, I'm shaking because it's like was kind of a scary situation. But I was super nervous. And that's like the story of how I got my license. I was like, if I do not freaking pass this, yeah. like I deserve a free pass. Yeah, yeah. Like, that oh, was, yeah. <laughs> it was just like you did your civil duty. Right. <laughs> Dude, that's freaking wild. Just it's actually just a ploy to get your fo- cell phone out. Yeah. yeah. You failed. <laughs> He's like, that's my wife. That's my child. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Mine was not eventful at all. Yeah, mine was scary. <laughs> that's freaking wild. <laughs> Uh, Heather has a story. My sister, she told this on pod, but I believe it was a bonus episode only. So it's like uh, 3 p.m. Hatch siblings. Mm -hmm. My little sister and my little brother came on and shared some stories. Oh, yeah. I'm going to butcher this. But she was leaving my dad's house late one night. And where I'm from in Visalia, California, it's in the valley, uh, the San Joaquin Valley of California. Uh-huh. All the smog from San Francisco rolls up over the mountains down into the valley. All the smog from LA comes up into the valley. So <laughs> it's just like it's always smoggy. And in the winter, it's especially foggy, like Ugh. thick as soup fog. She leaves my dad's house. He lived pretty far outside of town. So all around his house, super fog. She leaves his house late one night and she's driving and through the fog she sees a figure in the middle of the road, slams on her brakes. And what she stops on, her beams cutting into the fog, there is a small Asian baby standing in the middle of the road. It's like 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh, my gosh, dude. And it's just staring. She said it looked like the kid from The Grudge. <laughs> and it's just staring at her car. And her initial reaction is demon, terrifying, run it, you know, it's yeah. so scary. <laughs> run it over. Yeah. <laughs> But then, like, after that initial adrenaline rush and reaction kind of go away, she's like, hold on. This is a baby in the middle of the road at 3 a.m. What's going on? So I think she, like, rolls her window down. She's like, hey, like, yo. Trying to get, and it's just staring. Doesn't react to any noise. Uh. I think she might have honked. Doesn't react to any noise. It's just staring. Smiles. And then I think it, like, runs to the right of the road. I know I'm missing a couple details, but what happens is she calls the she pulls away because she's like sketched out. Is this a trap? She's a young female, so she's not taking any risk. She pulls down the road a little bit. She can kind of see the baby still. It's like on the side of the road. Calls, I think the cops. They come, and when the cop gets out, he goes, "Oh, I know what's going on. I've answered calls out here before." Knocks on a door and opens up like an Asian looking grandpa and they're like, dude, your son's out again. And what I think the I think the scenario was the baby's deaf. The baby can't hear at all. Oh. And it has done this before, like gone out in the middle of the road or just like left the house at night. And so she's like, Oh, like, thank goodness. I freaking called someone and got it taken care of. But For initially real. she thought she was straight <laughs> yeah. up in a horror movie. Dude, For yeah, sure. there's yeah. all kinds of scenarios. First, it could be a demon. Second, that like, like a boy, the yeah. trap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a possibility too. Yeah. No, there, there are definitely people who have like trained kids to either help them steal or lure other kids away. Or so. the people that would just like go outside your door and play like the sound of a baby crying. Yeah. Take advantage of your good nature. Yeah. Anyway, baby stories. Baby. Aren't bro. they the funnest? <laughs> nah, bro. Nah, bro. So if you guys are listening to this right now, we are chilling in Oahu, not recording an episode. So we recorded this <laughs> earlier, and it's going to be yet another shorter story. 
Yeah. Or episode, rather. Shorter story, dude. Uh, anything <laughs> you guys want to cover before we jump into stories? You guys watching any TV shows right now? I watched Truth Seekers on Amazon. How was it? You were telling me about that a little bit. I enjoyed it. Truth Seekers is by the guys who did Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. <laughs> uh, and the scenario, scenario is a scenario or scenario? Depends scenario. on where you're at, dude. What's the scenario? <laughs> is they are vloggers who ghost hunt. And they Bro. come across interesting <laughs> things. And nice. it turns into this whole ordeal. That's kind of dope, actually. It feels a lot, because they're like small content creators, so it feels like us, you know? Just content, dude. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, it was fun. How about you guys? Did I just binge watch, t- like, this entire show in two days? Ted Lasso. Oh, Apple That's on TV. My list. Yeah. It's so good. I figured, like, like, even if you don't like sports or, like, soccer, yeah. it's... Kind of, it's just uplifting because this guy is like a walking either dad joke or inspirational one-liner. <laughs> <laughs> but I realized earlier today, actually, that I have a problem from watching it. My favorite character, who's one of the guys that I relate to most, swears every other word. <laughs> and I realized that I was swearing so much today i was like bro you gotta t- just take it back a, <laughs> a little every bit. other word take about 90 percent off the top right now that's funny i've heard only good things about that show it's honestly so good like straight up and i i wouldn't say i'm a binge watcher like i'll watch a show like consistently until i finish it but like it took me two days to finish and i was like wow now i don't know what to do with my life <laughs> <laughs> when it, dude there's like a unique sadness and joy that comes from like finishing a series or a book. Yeah. Cause it's, it kind of becomes your life for a minute. You become, <clears throat> at least for me, enveloped in the story. So invested. And it's just like, you're rushing to get to the end, but then the end comes and you're like, Oh, dang it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I just, I go through books really fast. Every time I finish one, I just have like this sadness. I'm like, gosh, dang it. (laughs) It's kind of a real thing though, dude. Yeah. Like you finish and you're like, well, now I got to leave these characters. Yeah. It's weird. It's like saying goodbye to friends at that point, dude. It it really is. (laughs) That's that's what happens to all our listeners every week when we, (laughs) when we stop the episode. No, I'm just kidding. Um, any other thoughts? I've been, uh, this isn't as fun as any of the TV shows that you guys just mentioned, but, uh, I went to my first like Formula One. Oh yeah, oh, sick Formula One um, race. Wait, can I do? Can I enter it differently? Yeah, 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 dude. I'm sitting on my couch <laughs> in a basement in in Utah, you know, watching mundane TV, and I get a text from Reed, and it's just like, bro, guess who is sitting six feet in front of me, and I'm like. No, I, oh, I don't know. I don't even know where you're at. Like, what? And it, how did you say? Do you remember how I you I don't text? even remember, dude. <laughs> I could look it up, but you just go, I hear all, no joke. Joe Rogan is like six feet in front of me. <laughs> and if you know me at all, if you've listened to this podcast and you haven't picked up, I've been in an insanely huge Joe. And I, I know it's douchey now and it's generic now, but I've been a fan of Joe Rogan since MySpace. I'm dead ass. <laughs> he did a giveaway where he gave a uh deprivation takeaway on myspace and that's when i first got introduced to him i used to love fear factor 
And then uh, when he used to talk about DMT when I was in high school, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Mind-blowing. And then I get home from my mission, and my good friend Eric, like, right when I got home from a mission, if, you don't, if you're unaware, Mormon dudes and women's go out <laughs> on missions. And for two years, you truly try to give up, like, everything of the world, and you focus on just helping people, helping others. And so you come home and you have no idea what's going on in pop culture. So I came home and immediately like went to my best friends. I was like, what did I miss? And they handed me Foster Domus and RL Grime music. And then they handed me a podcast. And, and my friend Eric was like, you should listen to Joe Rogan. So I've been listening since 2012. Every episode. So my wife calls him my boyfriend. <laughs> there was a long period of time where everything I said was, well, on a Joe Rogan podcast, I heard. I <laughs> Bro, heard. that's still that period of time. <laughs> still valid. Yeah. So anyway, needless to say, Reed texts me this, and he's like, no joke. Joe Rogan is six feet in front of me. What do I do? <laughs> and instantly I was like, that depends. Is he with family or is he with alone? Because he's talked about it enough yeah. on the podcast, I know how he likes to interact with fans. So I like <laughs> sent him a picture. He's like with a friend, and then his, his girl's with him. Yeah. And I was like. This is the situation. Yeah. But anyway, so you saw him at a Formula One race in Austin? Yeah, so it was in Austin. I think it was – I don't know if it was the first one there or they haven't raced in Austin for a while. And I did, I am not a Formula One fan. Going into this, I didn't realize how big of a sport it was. Um, I believe there's like a series on Netflix. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. That's really blown up its I've popularity. I've been watching Formula One – like Drive to Survive, which is their Formula One show and essentially what it does is they document the season and then after the season ends in real life they'll like release the show and the show essentially like gives you like all these driver backstories and you it makes you very invested in a sport <laughs> that you otherwise maybe like wouldn't be interested in right but because you know like the beef between the drivers and like the different um builders of the of these race cars you're like way more really invested. into it right yeah and uh so we scored these amazing tickets in this like exclusive club, like paddock club. Like you walk in, you're given a necklace, which is like access to like the entire facility. And then it's bougie. It's insane. So like people like Joe Rogan are there. Like I can just like go talk to Joe Rogan, oh like those types of people. Right. Like the governor of Texas, Joe Rogan, like a, I saw a bunch of YouTubers and like influencers. Ben Stiller was there. Um, so, like, you walk in, and there's just, like, good-looking receptionist. Like, she's French, and she's like, do you want to party by yourself or with other people? That was, like, her question as to, like, which level you should go on. And I was like... Other people. So, yeah. So, it was just, like, that was, like, how she... Like, what she asked us. Like, do you want to party Dude, do your own thing? It's or a valid question. Other people? Um, so, like, this, this club that we were in is on the other side of the track where, like, general admission is. And... uh there's a bunch of events and concerts that they put on just for this specific area. And there's also like a silent auction. And that was like the most interesting part to me. I think day two of the race, which is when they do like the actual qualifications for the race day. Um, I get like a notification on my phone like, hey, there's a live auction going on. Check out the bids. And so I'm like looking through like the different items that they're like putting up for sale. Were they like... So bet that, on their phone? Or? Yeah, you bet on your phone. And, like, there, there isn't anyone kind of, like, mediating this auction. So it's, it's just, just like, done. highest bid gets it. Right. Mm. And there's also, like, minimum bids, like, bid prices. So you can't just be, like, 
oh five dollars and hopefully no one else bids yeah you have to bid minimum's like, like five thousand yeah Ooh. and uh and i i opened my phone and i just couldn't believe like the items that they're selling the experiences I'll getting just, to peer into like the ultra wealthy's yeah. world is so foreign to me i'm like i can't <laughs> comprehend yeah so here i'll just read a few um meet pope francis and kiss his hand like a private meeting with the pope yeah how much was that going for when i took a sh- screenshot the current bid was 12k which oh. isn't a, like that's probably like to meet the yeah. pope dude yeah <laughs> there was become a fighter jet pilot in the czech republic five day everest adventure for two that'd be sick dude. arctic circle adventure for also two. sick let's see an expedition to the North Pole without a footprint. So this dope. has a picture of like a blimp. Oh, that's kind of sick. Uh, attend the Monaco Grand Prix super yacht party. Oh my goodness. It's like movie stuff. For real. Lunch with Mr. Lamborghini in Italy. Who's Mr. Lamborghini? I'm assuming it's the owner of the owner. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So it was just funny to kind of check on these bids. And like how much money people were like investing into it. Oh my gosh. That's wild. Pretty crazy. I remember you like messaged me and you're like, these guys are just like rich nerds. Yeah. <laughs> because like there are some, some of these items like the attend the Monaco Grand Prix super yacht party that if you're connected, you know, the right people, that's not even a thing that you would bid money on. You would just show up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But these homies aren't that like high level, but they have all the money. They're just like trying so to- they don't have the social clout, but they have the bank account. Yeah, it's interesting that I there's mean, like I levels would... of rich and wealthy. Yeah, because there's some that are celebrity, and then some that are just like rich. maybe tech nerds, mm-hmm. super oh right, awkward, yeah. but they just have more money than God. Yeah, and they're all <laughs> intermingling. So while, while I was there the whole weekend, the, the saying like "cash is king" was just like running in my head. Like whatever, whoever has the most money wins. It doesn't even matter what you want. If you have the cash, you can get it. Uh, speaking of Joe Rogan, I heard this on a Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't remember if I heard this on a podcast or real life, but someone was talking about they had a friend who was like a trust fund kid, and it was hundreds of millions of dollars. And he was visiting, and they were doing something, and he was driving like 60 miles over the speed limit, and it was like, you know, it was already like 60 or something. So he was going really fast. And the person he was with is like, bro, slow down. You're going to get a ticket. And he said, well, how much is a ticket? And he was like, I don't know. Like, you're going this fast. It's probably like a couple thousand. I don't I don't know what the yeah. figure was. But he was like, oh, okay. That's fine. And he just kept going. And he's like, very quickly. I And then, like, he parked in a place that you can't park on. He's like, bro, you can't park here. And he's like, well, what's the worst thing? Like, how, they're going to find me? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, all right, well, that's fine. And then he just said he was with him for like a day. And he realized by the end of the day, the laws to him all they were were like items on a menu and he could afford everything on the yeah. menu. Oh my gosh. Cause dude. like if he committed a crime or if he did something wrong, they would find him, but he was like, all right, well, how much is that? And he's like, you know, a couple thousand bucks to him. That's like 10 bucks. Yeah. So he's like, all right. Yeah. Sure. And it's just, we look at laws that like things you can't do. He looked at laws as how much would I just have to pay for, to yeah. do that? And it, it, that hearing that I was like, holy crap. Yeah. That's crazy. Like maneuvering the world and like thinking that it's, it was that weekend was inspiring, but also just like I felt like trash dude, at the same time, you know, because like the the parking lot for this specific paddock club was right by the we'd have to walk through it 
to get to uh, get into the track. And I thought, you know, in my mind, I was like, oh, like this is a nice car. Like, th- like once I have this car, like that means I've made a certain like social class. And I, I didn't see one one of those cars in the parking lot. They were like the next level. <sighs> the next? What's the next? We spent level? an hour in the parking lot before the race every day, just like looking at looking stuff. at cars. <sighs> I can't even comprehend. It's uh, crazy because yeah. I didn't even see like I didn't see BMWs there. I well, didn't see Mercedes there. Peasant shit. Yeah, <laughs> it was like Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and up and up. Yeah, <sighs> wild. And dude. it's crazy because we were like we'd be like at our hotel, um, in in downtown Austin, being like, oh, if we had this much money, how much, you know, like what car would we buy? And like my friend would be would say a car, and then it would like literally drive by because. <laughs> Everyone in their supercars are there for that weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it was just insane how much money was just in Austin that one weekend. Bro, I just want a little of it. Yeah. <laughs> Soon, dude. <laughs> we were staying like the Ferrari team, like the logistics team, like the front the front office part of Ferrari was staying in the hotel with us. And like everything that they were wearing was just like Ferrari red. All their suitcases were red. Like, everything custom. was super nice. Italian leather. Yeah. I was just like, hi. You know, <laughs> can I have your clipboard? I got this from Uniqlo or yeah. whatever. I got this from H&M. <clears throat> yeah. Sales rack. <laughs> so it was, it was it was really cool. But um, I'm like now trying to like understand that world a little bit more. So I've been watching the show. Ah, uh, okay. I see. Who are the main competitors? Who are the top two competitors? The two biggest constructors or builders are Mercedes and Red Bull. Whoa. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Mercedes... Um, their most prolific driver ever is Lewis Hamilton. He's been he's like the most decorated, talented driver ever in the sport. Wow. And he just got like kind of dethroned this this season by, by the Red Bull, by the Red Bull guy. Whoa. What's the Red Bull guy story? Um, I don't really know. I need to like kind of dive more into their backstories. But all these guys know each other because like, you start off as a kid racing go karts. So, like, these guys grew up with each other. They know who each other are. They've been racing. Same circles. Yeah. And so you kind of, like, level up. Like, you go from, like, go-karting to, like, you know, F2. Like, you can just, like, as you grow grow older and you you get better sponsors, you get better cars, and you kind of, like, level up that way. Is there a lot of money in Formula One? Oh, yeah. Uh, like, Mercedes spends hundreds of millions of dollars on their, on their tech every year. Huh. So you see Mercedes with the most money winning all the time because they have the, the most money yeah hmm. so it's just it's really interesting i'm a fan now so i'm like trying to understand it more i don't know anything at all in comparison to a lot of my friends but mm. it's kind of a fun little thing to get into That's there's wild there's something that happens like you'll listen to music and then you go to that band's concert and it changes your relationship with their music like you will appreciate it or love it so much more if you see them live. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, I could imagine that would happen. Well, what like, it was like, what it was like for me is it was because I knew nothing about Formula One going into this. It felt like I went to like the best concert of my life, but I didn't know any of the songs. Oh. <laughs> so like now I'm so like, like so now I'm like going back and like re-listening to the album. I'm like trying to like understand the album, which I just like listened or watched in person at yeah, the concert. I see, I see that. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think you'll go back? Hopefully. I don't know if I can. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Dude, there are a few times in my life I felt like I've been around or interacted with like what I would consider ultra wealthy. They're probably not even that like ultra wealthy, but they're just like 
wealthy. Inconceivably wealthy compared to me. And it's just a different world, dude. They navigate yeah. the world so differently. And it's just like, holy crap, I didn't realize this exists. Like it's like a whole way of thinking. Like I got a new job as a portfolio manager. So I'm like seeing kind of all this firsthand. And these the way that they think, the way that they travel, it's it's so strange. Cause there no, there's no like limits or ceilings. It's just like Yeah. Yeah, I want this, we'll do this. Yeah. It's yeah. It's insane. <laughs> Money does buy happiness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cash is king, bro. <laughs> I once ran around. I would like drive up to when I was a straight up street rat. This is all a video game. Like when I was deep into graffiti, I was stealing <laughs> so much. Like stealing and theft in a video game that I played. Oh, yeah. yeah. GTA, right? <laughs> was like a sport to me. At one point, I was not doing it for the things. I was doing yeah. it to see how much I could get away with. And I was good, dude. I was on track to becoming like, <laughs> I don't know, like a f an art thief or some shit. <laughs> but it was like, a anyway, so like I'm at the peak of my like street ratness. And we would always go up to like San Francisco and run around. And because like I had white friends and stuff. So we'd go into hotels and we'd speak loudly as if we were heiresses and, and stuff. <laughs> Which is like to us was goofy, but at the time, but like that shit exists. Like we yeah. easily could have been because there are kids running around Seattle and, and, uh, San Francisco that are like the heiresses of people. But I don't know. We used to, yeah, just like walk. <laughs> if you walk into places with confidence, they'd just like let you in. So we'd see how far we could get into these super bougie hotels in San Francisco. And it's like, you could get really far if you just like act like, yeah, well, act what, like an asshole. That's funny. When I was, uh, on my mission in Bangkok. We had like a one day out of the week where we could kind of just like relax and do our thing. And after a while, you've kind of hit all the tourist spots. You've done your thing, right? So me and my my uh, friend, my companion, we would put on our suits, walk into like luxury condominiums with a briefcase with nothing in it. And we would just <laughs> ask to see the penthouse. Oh, but, but, but we were like foreigners that spoke Thai. So they're like, oh, you, they're like, you're important. Oh, so they, they never asked oh. any questions. And they're like, oh, yeah, like, do you want wine? Do you want, like, what do you want? And they would, like, walk us up. Okay, so let's go to Thailand yeah. and do that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, like, how we passed time because we were bored. We had been there for so long, and it was, like, an e easy way to have fun and just, like, yeah. take your mind off of things. Yeah. 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 That Dude, sounds that. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Closest I ever got to that was I was doing door-to-door -door, uh, in Dayton, Ohio, and we like knock on this dude's door who turns out to be filthy rich. Like we knew it was, it was like a, it looked like it was a big house from the door. We couldn't see how far mm -hmm. this house went, but the guy like invites us back for dinner. He's like, "Yo, yeah, come back for dinner. So we come back for dinner and he like gives us a tour of his house. And we're just like room to room to room to room. And one room was like being constructed on. He's like, Oh yeah, this room is going to be a shark tank. <laughs> and I was like, the room. What what dude? You're putting tank. in a sh a, ta a, a fish tank for sharks? What's going on here? He's like, yeah. And I, I'm trying to get it done the next month because we're having Barack Obama and his wife oh. over. And I was like, what the f in Ohio, Who is this dude? In Ohio, I bro, don't remember his name either. There are weird <laughs> things going on in Ohio, bro. It's true. Um, we had a listener reach out to us when we were talking about Dave Chappelle, and he's like, boys, shout out Teeny, I think that's his name. If I got your ID, <laughs> but he's like, look into Dayton, Ohio, bro. Dayton is sketch, bro. I, it, I think a lot of trafficking happens in Dayton. 
Weird things happen in Dayton. I'm 80% sure Jamie from Joe Rogan is from Ohio. And he always talks. He's like, he always tells Joe there's stuff going on in Ohio. 100%. I would like, not el- doubt it. Elites and stuff. So the fact that you said Obama is like going to this random <laughs> dude's house in Ohio. Like I'm telling you, more and more things I'm seeing, weird stuff I mean, is it happening wasn't, in Ohio. It, it wasn't right in Dayton. It was probably like Beaver Creek, Ohio. Still, which is a, yeah. right, like right around there. But still. This dude's house is huge. He's putting in a shark tank. Barack Obama's coming over. He had like his personal. Yeah, for real. He had like his personal chef come to each of us and be like, what do you want for like dinner? And he's like, how do you want it? Red Baron deep dish pizza, please. Bro, you got some hot pockets, bro. (laughs) Like anything's better than these Totino's pizza pockets I've been eating. Crazy, dude. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. There really are like yeah. levels. Like uh, a couple, like a year back, Kevin catered a movie that was being filmed in Utah. Mm, and at the yeah. end of the movie, they had a rap party. And they told Kevin, you can invite anyone you want. So he invited all of us. We show up to this rap party and it's on the hills in Draper, Utah, which is like one of the richest areas in Utah. And the house is a straight up castle with like all the toys you could you could imagine. Like crazy underground tunnels that go around the pool so you can like look into the pool and it was wild and to me i was like this is the pinnacle of wealthy but it's not dude it's not at all yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah it's so crazy but yeah yeah we went to that party sean me and dj and we were, i was like damn bro dude, this is yeah. wild it's like what can i lift bro yeah <laughs> anyway it's fun it's fun it's fun to like look into different social classes and just like see how different people live yeah yeah. It's just interesting. It's like even like the design in those places. There's like a once you like hit a certain level of wealth, interior design just becomes it just sucks. Yeah, like, it like... doesn't look good. But it's like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm explaining myself well. But we've discussed this, DJ and I, and I'm sure we've talked about it too. But like there comes like a point of diminishing return where it's like you become so wealthy that taste and style is. For the most part, a lot of people lose it. Yeah. And it's no longer about how, like, the aesthetic of things and how well they look. It's how much it costs. So that tends to, like, you'll see these, like, house. Like, Reed and I were island shopping the other day (laughs) on YouTube. Uh, We were on my couch and we're just, like, looking up all these islands that were for sale. Oof. Yeah, and you, it's these had good interior, but you can see some mansions in the inside. You're just like, ew, like yeah, what? Why? Ew, why? <laughs> and uh, it really is like I don't know when you're middle class or lower class. I think you do a lot more. You, you put a lot more effort into like curating maybe a look or design with like <sighs> I don't know. But yeah. at some point you're like, nah, yeah. It's like how much is it? <laughs> is it more expensive? Cool. I don't know. Cool. But that is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> No, it's not. Should we tell it. some stories? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, cool. All right, now we roll our 20-sided die to see in what order we tell our stories, highest number goes first, and so on. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. Uh, 
and it be a little lighter on the wallet, uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 3am. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. And the roll. Reed is two. Charles is four. Sean, where are you at? Five. Ooh. Sean, Charlie, Reed. That's one of our lowest rolls <laughs> we've ever had. We all just died if we were playing D&D. No, bro. It was a five skill. <laughs> oh, there you go. I at least survived. All right, guys. I'll start us off tonight. This comes from a listener. Name is Jace. I don't remember if they said they wanted to remain anonymous, so I'm sorry. <laughs> My bad, Jace. <laughs> and this happened down in Arizona. From what it sounds like, Jace and his family would head out into a location called Happy Valley, Arizona, and they would go camping. And I'm not sure if this was like a type of like family reunion. It kind of seemed like it based on what he says in the story, but we'll call it family reunion. Jason, his family, Happy Valley, Arizona. Have you been there? I haven't. No. Okay. Do you know what it looks like at all? Just so I can get <laughs> mental. I'm going to look it up real quick because like it could look like a desert, but if it's like more close up to like Flagstaff, then maybe not. Okay. So these are the kind of pictures that kind of pull up. Okay. More trees than I thought. Yeah, yeah. more trees than I thought, dude. More trees than we were led to believe was in <laughs> Utah at that one campsite we went to years ago. That's another story. Anyways, Jace was like, I don't know if I want like want to come because Call of Duty 2 just came out. Oh, and boy. He was Priorities. trying to. Yeah. Dude, Call of Duty 2 was lit. Let me just go into this for a second. <laughs> Call of Duty 2. Oh, dude. World War II, you're fighting Nazis. It was wild. It was a game changer. And it introduced zombies. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think. Maybe that was three. <laughs> okay, anyway. So, Jace at this time is about 10 or 11 years old. He's way more interested in Call of Duty than he is camping with his family. And he keeps trying to, like, get out of it. He's like, can, we, can you, like, take me home or whatever it is? Eventually... <laughs> He comes up to his uncle, who's there. He's like, hey, I'm not feeling very well. <laughs> Could you, like, take me home? <laughs> and his uncle kind of, like, knows what's already been going on. He's like, okay, well, if you can bring me one of those plants that has, like, five long leaves on it, like, I'll, let you, I'll, I'll, I'll take you home. Wait, wait. Okay. In retrospect, Jay says, oh, that was probably a weed plant. <laughs> but he didn't know at the time because he's 10 years old. Yeah. So he heads out with his flashlight, his pocket knife, and he's going hunting for some weed plants. He heads out into the uh, woods, and he says it takes him. He's probably, like, out there for, like, an hour or so. And it's already kind of starting to get dark. 
Um, and he comes across, Charles, you've also come across something like this. He came across this stick structure out in the middle of the woods, like just a bunch of like small sticks building almost like this wall. And as a kid, he's like, it's definitely got to be behind there. <laughs> so he like starts kind of looking around this, this structure and finds a little like opening. And so Jace goes in through this little opening and gets to the other side and finds an old camp chair, like some trash, like what would seem like a homeless person was living there. He decides it's not there. At this point, he heads back out through this tiny little opening and he starts, like, he decides, you know, it's probably getting late. I need to start heading home. The lights, the, the light, the sun's going down. So he starts heading back to the camps. But at this point, he said that all of a sudden it seemed unnaturally quiet. All that he could hear was just the crack of sticks and leaves under his feet. And as he kept walking back towards the campgrounds, he started hearing something else. And it sounded like something else walking behind him. But each time he would stop, it would stop. So he keeps trying to like walk faster and faster and whatever it is would keep picking up and stopping when he would stop. Eventually, he makes it back to camp. No harm. He tells his uncle, hey, I couldn't find any of those, those, those <laughs> plants that you were talking about. At this point, sun's gone down. They're all like sitting around the campfire, roasting some weenies, eating hot dogs. Um, and they're kind of around the campfire for a little bit. And Jace, at this point, is like, I got to go to the bathroom. They have a designated bathroom tree near the campground, but not too near the campground. And his flashlight had run out of batteries or something to where he couldn't use his flashlight anymore. So his mom is like, yeah, just take a, like a wood and turn it into a little like, like, a, like a torch. torch. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And his uncle like gets this piece of wood, lights the tip of it. He takes his torch, his 10-year-old boy, just <laughs> headed out into the woods to the, the uh, bathroom tree. So he gets to the bathroom tree, sets the like torch in between two rocks. So it's just like uh, lighting his restroom up. He gets down to use the bathroom and starts hearing that noise again. The noise that he could have sworn he heard following him earlier. This time, like he like picks up the torch and like starts shining it out in front of him. And the sound stops. And then it comes back and it seems like it's closer. He like shines like as much as he could this torch out in front of him and can't see anything. And then the sound very clearly is coming from above him. And at this point, Jace lifts up his torch, looks into the tree right above him and catches the silhouette of something in the tree just lit up. And its eyes were red, probably reflecting this fire. And he starts waving the torch out like, obviously he's protecting himself. He's using the bathroom. He's waving this torch up at whatever it is. And whatever it is freaks out and starts jumping from tree to tree away from him. 
Jace wraps it up real quick, heads back to camp, and the family's planning on staying there for like two days. So he's stuck. And he's already been trying to like get out of it, so everyone is not believing him because all the all he wants to do is go and play Call of Duty. So he's stuck, heads to uh, bed that night. And then when he wakes up in the morning, he wakes up to these scratches right on the edge of his tent, like little cuts in the tent right where his head was, almost like something had slashed through a tent. Nothing else happened to him, and he doesn't know what it is, but he did send pictures of the wood structure and his theory based on other pictures he sent is that this is what he encountered. What the hell is that? The chupacabra. What? The chupacabra needs a camping chair? I don't know, dude. It, it could be just a case of not mistaken identity, but like connected dots that may like maybe the whole like structure didn't have anything to do with it. Can chupacabras be where I guess there are Mexicanos in my, in Arizona. So never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, for some reason I thought there was Ohio for a second. I was like, bro. Pretty, uh, yeah, dude. No chupacabras. So here's the structure that he came across. Well, okay, that's weird. It basically looks like a beaver dam above ground. Yeah. Kind of does, yeah. I was picturing like a pretty laid out structure. Yeah. This thing looks like a huge hodgepodge, weird mass. And this was the campgrounds. He actually did send pictures of the campgrounds. Crazy. But. So he said it was jumping from tree to tree? That's what he said. Interesting. So it seems a lot closer to this one in the bottom corner to me. Yeah. Red eyes jumping from tree to tree. Yeah. Which would be terrifying to see as a tenure. It would be terrifying to see, period. Yeah. If that thing was up above you as you're trying to lay out. Hell yeah. The most vulnerable weenie out. <laughs> <laughs> but that is Jace's story okay. of a possible chupacabra encounter. This is what actually happened. <laughs> he made that story up. And it's so bitter that no one believed him to this day because he wanted to go play Call of Duty so bad. He's he's tripling down right now by, <laughs> by sending it in. He's like, no, dude, I swear. Either so that. He just wanted a game. Or he did find that plant his uncle was trying <laughs> to find. <laughs> True. <laughs> Nonetheless, thank you for sending that in, Jason. Thanks for the story. Nice. Is that you? That's me for tonight. Sweet. So I'm up. Cool. I'm going to defy the role, and I'm going to... Whoa. Go next. Wait, roll to see if you can defy the roll. <laughs> you have to get more than a seven. All right. Come on, let's go. Seven. One? Is <laughs> that a one or a seven? <laughs> it's a one, dude. dude. <laughs> Crit. You don't get to go at all tonight. <laughs> well, that's okay because I don't really have that much. Irregardless, go. Okay. <laughs> I don't necessarily have a story, but I kind of wanted to present like a topic that we can kind of talk about. Cool. Um, just finished Heather's episode where she kind of dives into this, the backstory of Israel. Israel Keys. As yeah. Israel Keys. And as I was listening to her talk, I was like, I don't think I know of any serial killers outside of North America or outside of the United States. True. Probably just because of like ge ge geographical proximity. But I was thinking like, what, like, how do serial killers differ right. outside of the U.S.? Huh. Like, what is their profile? What are they, what is, like, their M.O.? And so I kind of just wanted to dive into other 
profiles of serial killers that have been present in like Southeast Asia, for example. Interesting. And so I just wanted to briefly come over that because I think it's just interesting. Um, some similarities, obviously this isn't researched in depth. This is just quick. <laughs> While I was driving over here, Charlie's was like, hey, do you have a story? And I was like, no. Reed's driving and Google. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> On the highway, just like, oh crap, I gotta find something. <laughs> But I was just gonna hang out. I'm behind the mic. <laughs> so um, I'm all, hey, come over, chill. And then Reed walks, and I'm like, get sit down. You're recording. <laughs> um, so I kind of wanted to highlight two serial killers. First, first one is his name is uh, Charles Sabaraj. He's half Indian, half Vietnamese. Um, I didn't know those existed. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I guess his he was born out of wedlock. And in Southeast Asia, they don't have, like, the uh, the citizenship laws are different. If you're born in America, you can be an American. But over there, it's not like that. So he's stateless. So he doesn't really have a country. Whoa. Yikes. Um, so that kind of, that's, like, how his life started. Is like, he didn't have a country. He, his father left him. He didn't really have, he wasn't a citizen of any country. Um, he kind of operated in Southeast Asia along this trail called the hippie trail this nice. is when like in the 1960s 1970s why is it called the hippie trail do you know it was essentially like a cheaper route for alternative travel it was a trail essentially that started in western europe and you could travel all the way to southeast asia Ooh. oh that's kind of dope was it for like that? backpackers backpacking and stuff? so a lot of like westerners are like on this trail right uh, people who are okay. looking for like a a different mode of travel, different experiences, trying to meet people. So Sean would definitely have <laughs> done that back in the day. Yeah. Oh, and 100%. I guess obviously like the geopolitical landscape was different. You can't just like walk through the Middle East anymore. Oh yeah. But apparently back then it was still dangerous, but it wasn't as like frowned upon or mm. it just wasn't, it was allowed. Mm. And uh, so apparently this guy, would um, befriend Westerners while they were on this trail. And then he would use a variety of, of poisonous concoctions um, to weaken the unsuspecting victim, and then he would end up killing them. Just to kill them, or do we do anything else? We're we talking um, eating or like... He would... So he stabbed and strangled most of them, and then he burned some of them. Holy cow. So it's just interesting how... I don't know. It's not like your normal next door neighbor type guy you know this guy is in a specific area where he knows the laws are loose he can people aren't tracked. move around people aren't tracked and he can he's almost like a ghost right because if you yeah. think about this trail from like bangkok to amsterdam it's a very everywhere in between type. right and those people that are on those trails are open to new experiences they want to meet people yeah super mm -hmm. friendly Come here, traveler. So he's like capitalizing on that. I have a potion for you. <laughs> the whole like poisoning by degrees thing too. That's super sketch, bro. Because you don't know. Yeah. You're just slowly being hey, have a weakened beer. All right. to death. Yeah. Yeah. So he was known, obviously, to be very charismatic. Yeah. That's still the same, right? Very social. Yeah. And he, his nickname was the serpent because he was just that oh. kind of bro. Serpent. You know what I'm imagining right now is if Kevin. <gasps> Was on this trail, he would come up to everybody, be like, "What's your name? Where are you from?" Yeah. Hey, you want some? I was thinking if I literally had the thought, Kevin would have been dead. 
100%. I'm taking the thought like, bro, I probably wouldn't even have talked to anybody. I'd be like, nah. Well, it's funny because every every time you guys travel, Kevin's like the person to like recruit people to do stuff with you guys. Yeah. No, we legitimately have like a system. Uh, When we go into new places, Kevin will talk to everyone. Everyone. And so literally if I see interesting people, I'll be like, Kevin, go talk to them. And, and like they'll he'll come back and be like, "All right, we need to go eat here. We need to do this." They said this excursion was really fun, and he'll just have like the lowdown. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's so nice. But then he'd be dead. Yeah, he would <laughs> likely be dead. Yeah, this guy the was serpent. Yeah, so he w- evaded arrest for forever. He was. I know they were looking for him. How would you even put two and two together? That's true. Like, that's very know. difficult to catch. Like, country to country yeah. on a trail in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Because that's what serial killers do in the U.S., right? We talked about Israel. He would cross state lines to make it more difficult. This guy's crossing country, country lines. lines. And these countries, there's, they don't have the infrastructure to, yeah. or the, in place to, like, track And he's down. only, like, targeting people who are drifters yeah. nomads a lot of people probably i'm not judging but like there may not have like a whole lot of other people that are looking out for them there you go yeah so like despite the two decades he was at work he was like able to invade incarceration and it wasn't until like 2010 when a court in nepal like upheld the life sentence uh he received for murdering a u.s citizen that he like was caught and then um, that's right. You mess with ours. Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting. It's like it takes. Oh, I don't know. An American. No to one die cares. Until, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. Well, that's Just, that's an interesting commentary. It's yeah. like, yeah, we're not saying that's good or bad, but it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish I had. I wish I had done more research. Do you have a picture of him? Do you yes. have a body count? Yeah. Um. Let's see. Okay. Show when you show me his photo. I'm going to imagine if I would trust this dude. That's what I was just thinking, dude. Shit, I would probably trust this dude. Let me see. Let me see. Nope, not trusting. Oh, that's because I don't Asian? trust anybody, dude. <laughs> he's his his profile is really interesting. I want to like do a deep dive on him because apparently he ended up moving to France at a young age because his mom remarried mm. and uh, started like stealing and practicing. And he met. He got sent to prison for fraud and theft. And while he was in prison, a really rich aristocrat volunteer was just like working in the prison, like to like for community service. And he latched onto him. Whoa. He was that charismatic. He kind of like. Yeah. Wow. So he, he got him to like pay his bail money and then became his friend and just like weaseled his way into like the high society of Paris. And that's how he like. The serpent. Dude. Yeah. Bro, his wife is like a really rich, like Parisian. This guy, yeah. Whoa. And then I, I think I'm sure he just like left them and to do his thing mm. on the trail. But so he wasn't like down and out poor guy. He was doing this as a hobby. Whoa. Yeah. Just okay, interesting. No, no, no. Look for a body count. Okay, one sec. Let's see, dude. Yeah, that's dude. And there's no way that we have like the true body nope. count. <sighs> I hate this. At least a dozen. That's I no, dude. That. It's way higher than that, bro. Way higher. But even guaranteed. That, even that is crazy. If they can pin a dozen on them, that's yeah. wild. That's a lot. Yeah. In America, that makes them one of the highest. Do you know what I mean? Off Israel Keys was like eleven, right? Yeah. Or thirteen they or something like that they know of. Yeah, 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 eleven. Yeah. But still, like, there's no way it's only twelve. Crazy. You're going decades. 
multiple countries yeah. out in the middle. Of no- Dude, it's way higher yeah. than that. Way higher than that. That's actually not a bad idea, though. Like, <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Okay, I got one more. Ooh. Similar, similar MO, I think. Um, this lady, her name is uh, Lee Tanvung. Sorry, Emily, if I butchered that. She's Vietnamese. She was sentenced to death by an appellate court in Ho Chi Minh City in 2004. And uh, she single-handedly killed 13 to 15 people using, like, cyanide poisoning. Wow. And so she had previously spent about a year in the military training as a nurse. Uh, so she was uh, an angel of death is what yes. they call them. So uh. she learned how to mask the poison in a way that would leave no trace. And uh, so despite them uncovering, officials uncovering like a big vat of poison in her possession, they weren't able to like pin really anything on her. They just She like, was so good. Yeah. And uh, all of her victims were essentially like close family members or friends. Just super interesting. What a dickhead, dude. Yeah, also, that's easier to catch. Yeah, this says her victims even shockingly included family members, namely ex-husbands, her mother-in-law, brother-in-law, and foster mother. Oh, okay, those make more sense. All the people that are like, yeah, "Yeah, no. I I guess, yeah. (laughs) It's not like her daughter, her son, her, you know what I mean? Yeah. Only ex. Ex and (laughs) in-laws. In-laws. And in every single one of these, it's interesting, she would slowly poison them and then act as a concerned loved one, take them to the hospital where they would end up dying. And then shortly after the victim died, she would like fraudulently forge wills and other legal documents to then like take, take possession of everything that they had. Oh, crazy. Yeah. It's weird to see human life is like that transactional. I know. It's like she see, she saw them. She's like, all right, I could just do this. And yeah. Maybe it, or even she just took pleasure in it. Cause there's like, you know what Munchausen disease is? I've heard of it. I don't know. Or Munchausen by proxy. Am I pronouncing that right? Bro. Munchausen. Munchausen. Let me look it up. It rings syndrome. a bell. All I remember is from the Eminem song, dude. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just double check real quick. I'm 90% sure I'm saying that right. I think it was Skeletons in the Closet. <laughs> yeah, that is not the Oh, is, does he say Munchausen in there? I'm pretty sure. Like 95%. So it is Munchausen syndrome. So it says it's a psychological disorder where someone pretends to be ill or deliberately produces symptoms of illness in themselves. Um, Munchausen by proxy is when like an example of that would be like a mom who poisons their kid Mm. so that the kid is ill and in by doing that can garnish all this attention and like, you know, yeah. But anyway, so it kind of sounds like maybe she got off on like being the savior role and then at the same time she like, would gain from it. Yeah. Crazy. Very weird. Okay, I have one more because this oh, is... Snap. <laughs> I can say this because I'm Thai, but this is the most Southeast Asian thing I've ever heard. <laughs> okay. What do you mean by that? Let me just read to you <laughs> this guy's like... It's like this wife. guy in a tuk-tuk would run over people. <laughs> so this guy's name is um, Ahmad Saraji. Um, in 1998, this, he was a cattle breeder in North Sumatra, Indonesia. And he claimed to have had a vivid dream in which he saw his deceased father and his father's ghost in this dream told him that he was destined to kill 70 women. And if he would drink their saliva would inherit like powerful mystical healing powers. I couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. But Even if that was guaranteed, I don't know if I could do bro, it. Bro, wouldn't you just like go over and be like spit in my mouth instead? <laughs> you know? Dude, I... 
saliva turns my stomach so hard it's ridiculous yeah so how many deep did he get this this guy killed 42 people <gasps> 40 Dude. women girls and women who ranged from this is horrible from the ages of 11 to 30 oh he was Damn. a monster straight yeah. up monster and the interesting thing about the way that he killed them is they were all done in ritualistic fashion oh. and they were all near his house and he buried them with their heads all pointing towards his house. So they're like, it's like a circle and they're all just like facing. Oh, yeah. what the hell, dude? That's nuts. What a nutter butter. Sorry. I just, <laughs> it's not funny, but like when I read that. Oh, it's shocking. Yeah. And yeah. we laugh because it's so shocking. Yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. He got to 42. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He buried them in a sugarcane plantation near his home. He was only 28 away. That's sweet. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, but for real, though, that's terrifying. Yeah. That sounds almost like, dude, dude, I am not a psychologist. I'm not a forensic. I'm not a whatever. I'm a dumbass who has a podcast. I've heard of, like... um serial killers me yeah, too i can't remember which mental illness i i want to say like uh schizophrenia but there is some s mental illness like a product of it is like you convince yourself you have an important role hmm. oh yeah i don't know i was listening to this case of this guy who was like convinced he was like god right and it like starts small but then it just like builds and builds and builds and he was doing crazy things to his siblings like trying to eat get them to eat bodily fluids of his and stuff because he believed that was the only way for them to be saved yeah and he was like a normal dude who like slowly turned and got worse but yeah i don't know just either he was straight up visited by a demon who like yeah. told him to do that but he had to believe it to a point so oh, it yeah. does sound like some yeah psychosis is going on i don't even know but that's crazy, crazy. yeah there could be a demon involved. <laughs> yeah. Like, that could be a thing. That's terrifying. It's crazy you don't hear about these. I know. Oh, yeah. They just don't trend in the U.S. Because, like, the yeah. U.S., like, body counts for the top guys aren't 42. Yeah. yeah. Dude. Yeah. I don't know. I know of one person in Brazil. It's a girl. She, like, went out and stabbed, I think, like, 47 men in one night, like, in Brazil. Uh but I think the classification to be a serial killer is you have to kill multiple people with periods of rest in between. So, so she, she was just like a... That's why mass shooters don't qualify uh, as serial killers. Well, that makes sense, though. Because there's not just, a cool-down period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is crazy. Bro, and the, here's the craziest thing, though. Like, we talk about this, and we've said it multiple times, is the ones we don't know about are still the scariest. Like, there's still ones out there getting away with it. Yeah. Dude, the conspiracy theories with serial killers are that there are networks where they communicate and share ideas. And there's theories that, like, people in government have interacted with certain ones and might, like, use them, like, to create fear and stuff like that. Mm. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Like... If I were a serial killer, I wouldn't tell anybody and I wouldn't have a network, but I could see that being a thing. Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, is that you? Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. That is way interesting. It is, dude. Yeah. yeah I didn't real. have much time to prepare, so I just thought I would like bring that to the table. I feel like you're more prepared than all of our, all <laughs> dude, of our yeah, stories. Yeah, I haven't been so. that prepared in like <laughs> yeah. two years. Yeah, so thank you. <laughs> all right, I'll close us tonight. Uh, my story comes to us from a listener. Sick. 
and they sent it into the website. If you want to send in a story, it's the3ampodcast.com, or you can just DM us on IG at the3ampod. Anyway, this is their opening statement. Okay. I would wish, I, I want to go by L. Other than that, I wish to remain anonymous. Stranger things, dude. I got in contact with one of you on Instagram about a month ago about a place I used to work at. Then I contact you again saying, I do not want to share. I've changed my mind. So here it goes. What? So obviously they're like conflicted. They sent in some stuff and then they asked, hey, you know what? I don't want this to be shared. But then they changed Was that mind. to you? I don't know. I feel like I may have like interacted. interacted. Sean and I are the main ones who uh, DM on IG. Yeah. So it, at any time it could be me, Sean, or DJ. Yeah. So who knows? Like things sometimes get, I'll get say muddled. it like I'm Charles or DJ, so yeah. they don't know it's me. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> so, L worked at a prestigious hunting club. So this, what? I just, I don't like the way this is going. Isn't that weird? Immediately, the setting, I was like, oh, yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> so this hunting club, prestigious, rural. He said, I don't want to tell you the name, and I do not want to tell you what state it is in. But this is what it was like. This hunting club was on a thousand acres of land. Holy cow. It had open fields of grass. It had many lakes. It had cornfields. And it had hilled forests. I know exactly where that is. (laughs) You probably do. (laughs) Uh, In this hunting club, there was um, obvious hunting. Like people would come, rent it out. They could go hunting in the land. There was a sporting clay course. Okay. So you probably go from like, yeah. Pigeon shooting. Yeah, and it would shoot clay pigeons up in the air. It had a co- uh, a sporting clay course through the woods. It had lakes. Um, and it had an old house that was built in the early 1800s. And this house was in the middle of the land. Uh, this house was used to have dinners at. Um, it had couple bedrooms one of them was where a secretary worked sometimes like a couple days of the week the dinners would only happen like once or twice a year and then other than that it's also where I th- it's from what it sounds like where the employees would clock in and clock out okay so like a central hub yeah but other than that it was empty like 90 percent of the time it sounded like uh this house like i said built in the 1800s okay um and how it's built is it's up against a hill so a pretty steep hill, and it's put right into the hill. So to enter the house, you'd have to enter in the bottom floor or the basement. Had a big, uh, okay. thick door with a huge, chunky uh, spring on the door. So you would, like, a lot of force to open the door, and the second you let it go, it's like, boom, closes, right? Yeah. The only light in the base. so the only way you can get in is the basement. You would open the door. And the only way, the only light in the whole basement, picture a big spacious room, mm-hmm. is in the center of the room, there is a string that goes to a light. And that's like the only that. light. So oftentimes you would open this door and before no you light. could get to the string, you're in pitch blackness. Oh, because it just slams shut. Yeah. So Frick. I think he said people would grab rocks and stuff, like try to open the door, but most of the time you're just sprinting to the string. <laughs> that's terrible. trying to turn it on. Um. So in this basement, in the back wall, there are three doors. Two of the doors on the left and right of the middle one opened up to rooms that had dirt floors 
and the back of the room is the sloped hill. Okay. So it's basically okay. like cold storage rooms. Yeah. They'd keep soda pop and whatnot in there, extra supplies. The middle door opened up into a long hallway, and at the end of the hallway, stairs up to the second floor. Second floor. There's a living room, fireplace, a small kitchen, I think one extra room, and a almost complete wraparound porch around the whole second room. In the center of the second floor, there were stairs that led up to the third floor. Just continuing up this hill. Uh-huh. Okay. And then up the th- in the third floor, there were several bedrooms, and that was basically it. Okay. So he said, about 10 people worked at the club while he was there. All of the employees would talk about things that would happen at this house and within the land, like the thousand acres. They were kind of what I felt like kept to keep it hush-hush. So all the employees knew about it, and, a, and very few patrons knew about it. But other than that, no one really knew. So what this guy's done, what L has done, is since he had had experiences and he had talked to so many people who had weird experiences, he started to collect stories. I'm going to list all the occurrences I can, I've heard of going back to 1990, as far as I could find out, all the way to present day. Very different experiences. I will list them in chronological order as best I can. What? <clears throat> One of the employees was at the building. He had brought his girlfriend. He was upstairs on the third floor doing something, grabbing something. His girlfriend's in the kitchen. She walks out of the kitchen and looks into the living room, and she's startled because she sees a man standing in the living room, leaning against the fireplace, and he's smoking a pipe. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. This all happens super quick, so she has barely any time to comprehend. Oh, I'm sorry. Turns around, walks back into the kitchen. And as she's walking back to the kid, into the kitchen, she's like, something's off. Everything he's wearing looks like a costume. Yeah. Because it is from like the 1800s. This crosses her mind. At the same time, she goes, maybe I should see if he needs anything. So she turns around, walks back out. Gone. Not there. This was the first... So, like, our friend L has gone around and collected as many stories as he could. Okay. These ones he heard from, they were just kind of like stories that floated around okay. all the employees. Okay. All the employees knew these ones. So, that's the first one. Okay. The second one, also in the 1990s, a shooting instructor, like, pretty high class shooting instructor, comes over from England. He's like taking people out, he's doing shooting courses, stuff like that. So, he comes over, he's staying. And late one night, he ends up, he's, like, going to stay at the old hunting lodge, like, the the old building. He's on the second floor. It's getting late at night. He should go upstairs and go to his bed, but he accidentally nods off on the couch. And how the couch is positioned is his head's here, his feet are down there, and at the end of his feet, he can see straight up the stairs. <laughs> Don't like that. (laughs) So he falls asleep in the middle of the night for no reason at all. Boom. Wide awake. Opens his eyes. And he looks down his feet and up the stairs. And he sees three men standing at the top of the stairs. And they're silently still. And then one of them takes a step down the stairs. And slowly they start walking down the stairs. 
Frozen with fear. He's lying there on the couch as he watches the man walk up to the end of the couch. And what's scarier is all three of these men are wearing white pointed sheets. White pointed sheets? Oh, my God. Oh, frick, dude. They're in full KKK garb. They walk to the end of his his couch. They turn, and they walk out onto the balcony. He sits up, looks around. No one on the balcony. He got a hotel for the rest of his stay. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Oh. 2006. 2006 is when L starts working there. So from now on, he was either there or he heard these accounts directly from the person, the person who experienced it. Okay. Okay. 2007. His boss is hunting deer. He's way out there. Sun had just set. So he's done for the night. His boss climbs out of the stand, like packs some things up and he starts walking back to his truck. And the way he's walking, his truck is like parked on the, on like the side of a cornfield and his path on the right side of him is forest, dense forest. So he's just walking. Um, He turns this little bend and he can see his truck. And as he's walking, he hears in the forest, someone walking parallel to him. He starts walking faster. The noise starts walking faster. He starts running. The noise starts running. At this point, it's too dark for him to see anything. He's like looking in the woods. It's directly by him in the woods. And it's moving through brush. He can hear it crashing through. He can't see anything, so he throws his bow and full-on starts sprinting to the car. He's running, terrified. He can see the car. The car's coming closer to him. In the woods, it starts screaming, like a guttural scream. Oh, my gosh. He passes the point, like the woods stop. And now he's in a clearing and he turns and looks over his shoulder and whatever it is will not come out of the wood tree. They're the tree line. It's standing there. He can't see it, but he knows it's right there because it's just screaming like a guttural Uh. scream. And he said he can see like trees or bushes like shaking. Jumps in his car, drives away. So that happened to L's boss. 2010. One of his friends, no nonsense guy. Not the type. He just like straight as shit. <laughs> That's probably not the correct, the correct term. Just a straightforward guy. That's what I meant to say. He's like on the last, uh, like he's the last one there. He's like on the last duty, the close up duty he's of the like, night. Okay. And he, that means he's the one who's responsible for locking everything up and just, final sweep before you go home and like i said you clock out at the old house at the old club so he pulls up no one's there he opens the basement door and uh he clocks out and as he's about to leave he yells anyone home i'm setting the alarm like anyone here i'm setting the alarm we're closing up silence about to set the alarm when he hears a moan in the basement uh, and at this point, he's like turned off all the lights. And it's not a sexual moan. It's like a pain. Yeah. He's like, hello? Nothing. And then the moan again. He freaks out. Who's there? Moaning. So he's like, are you okay? Do you need? So he's like looking and he's trying, but he's like doing his best not to go back in. Yeah. 
because everyone's kind of aware. The thing just moans louder. So he goes in, he probably turns on his old flashlight on his phone, and he sweeps the entire basement, looks in every corner. He can hear the moaning. It's like louder now. Looking, looking, nothing. So at this point, he thinks, I don't care. I'm locking up. I'm getting out of here. Runs back to the door. He hears the moan. It's getting louder and louder. And the second he shuts the door, silence. Ooh. I'm getting a very Jeepers Creepers moan <coughs> vibe right there. It's creepy. I hate that. 2010. A couple employees leaving the lodge for the day located in the center of the property. At dusk, they walk out. And as they walk out of the clubhouse, they see a large figure running through the woods across from the lodge, roughly 30 yards away. 2012, the secretary that works a couple days a week in the house cleans all the rooms every week. Many times she would notice the day after cleaning that there would be little kid handprints on all of the paintings and pictures hanging throughout the house. Also 2012, I quit. At this time, here are the few things I witnessed myself that I can't explain. First thing I saw, I was driving with another employee heading up to the house, and you have to go around a lake. At the end of the lake, you can see the house at about a quarter mile away. We come into view of it, and pouring from the chimney is black smoke. It's filling the entire sky. We do not see flames, so we run up to make sure that the house is empty and to see if there's like a fire going on that we need to put out. They run in, we enter, and we look around to find nothing out of place, and we realize we don't even smell smoke. Fireplace, no fire going. They both walk outside, look up in the sky, there's no smoke. Uh. In the basement, one of those two rooms that were just like dirt floors and cold storage, they used as a place where they would keep all the soda for the vending machines. When it was needed, the employees would look at each other and say, you go get the soda. No, you go get it. (laughs) And they would always resolve this with rock, paper, scissors. And the loser would have to go get the soda themselves. Um, So they had to run up to the house and get it. This time, it was him who had to go get it. He lost the game of rock, paper, scissors. He props the door open. And as fast as he can, he runs to the string But before he can get there, boom, the door slams behind him, plunging him into darkness. Quickly, he fiddles, finds the string, turns it on in the basement. He looks around. Nothing. He goes to the storage room, grabs a pack of soda, turns, walks out, sets it in the truck. So he comes back in. He just sets down the pop or the soda in the back of the truck, comes back into the basement. But this time, it's no longer quiet. He can hear the shower in the basement is on and in his mind he's like dude i was just in here i know it's not on so super terrified he musters up the courage he goes finds the shower in the basement and he turns it off but he can still hear running running water and he realizes the second story shower is on so he goes dang it goes out goes through the hall up the stairs sure enough second story shower is on Goes in there, turns it off, and as he turns it off, he hears the third story shower on. Oh, my gosh. And at this point, he's like, okay, this is weird. Turns and looks at the stairs of the third floor. Starts walking up it. 
And as he reaches the middle of the stairs, he thinks, what the hell am I doing? And he turns around and <laughs> runs out of the house. <laughs> Good. Smart. Another night. It was late. I was going to a friend's house when they called saying, they're not home yet. They're going to be home in like a half an hour. So just, you know, wait for them to call. He says, okay. He was close to work at the time. So he's like, I might as well just pull through and like do a drive through, just make sure everything's okay. So he pulls onto the property and of his work and he's driving through. As he came around a tree, he sees a large figure just walking across the field. No light, nothing, walking straight across the field. And he knew where it was walking to was nothing. There's no buildings over there. There's nothing. It was just walking. And he's like, I never would have seen it unless I like pulled around and his, his lights like hit the figure in the, in the field. He looked around, no vehicles, nothing. Next day at work, I overhear some employees talking and they were all saying things like, they all saw a figure running through the woods the night before. And he goes like, where was it? And they're like, oh, it's over. And they say it's exactly like where, near where he saw his. Huh. Okay. He goes, this one is strange. I have no idea what's going on. There is a spot in the woods that they were all aware of. They would all try to stay away from it. And they came to call it Indian Head. He goes, I have no idea why we called it Indian Head. It was called that before we ever worked there. That's just what it was called. In this spot in the woods, it was about a 10 by 10 foot spot. If anything was on that spot, it would not work. So if a trap, a clay pigeon trap was on there, it would not fire. If a electrical wire or like an extension cord went across it, it would short out and like burn. Nothing worked if it was on that spot. Like uh, he said trees would fall and they would fall in a way that would like avoid the spot. The spot would be like void of tree of uh, leaves on the ground. He said there was like tale of one employee sitting there as a dare for a while. And he came out like super depressed saying like he had very suicidal dark thoughts and stuff like that. He said at one point he went and sat there and within like 30 seconds, he started feeling dizzy, like really weird. And so they all just avoid this one spot. What? <laughs> That's the... crazy. Strangest thing I've ever seen. Nothing placed on this place of dirt would function. Don't know what it is. Huh. So one night, L needs to clock out. And the way you clock out, like I said, you had to go to that building. But then like you would just keep driving on that road and it would take you out of the whole property. So um, none of the employees like clocking out because everyone clocked out past dark and at different times. And it was in that house. So a lot of the times they would just not clock out, keep record on their phone and just be like, hey, boss, sorry, I clocked. I, I left at like 830 <laughs> last night. Yeah. But it became such a problem. The boss was like, dude, no you more. Like, to. I'm not I'm done. I'm <laughs> spending half my time like fixing payroll. And so oh, frick. So one of these nights, L is out there. It's pretty late. And he's driving, comes around the bend and he sees the house and the light is on in the second story. And he's like, OK, maybe there's someone in there. Looks around. No cars. Pulls up, and the road is like 80 feet away from the house. So he pulls up, turns his truck off, steps out, and looks up at the light, and he sees a shadow go across the light, like someone just crossed the room. Yeah. And he's like, okay. Takes a couple steps forward. Light switches off. 
It's like, should I just leave? Yes. And get yelled at or go clock out? And he's like, I can't. I have to clock out. So he goes into the building, turns on the light. I think where they clock out is the second story. So he turns on the lights, clocks out. Anyone there? Silence. Like, F this. Turns off the light, goes downstairs, shuts the door, walks out of the basement, and, like, he's facing his truck and takes one step, and he sees a black shape on the ground in front of him. And he realizes it's his shadow. His shadow. Because the lights from the second story have all turned on. And so it's just casting his shadow on the ground. And he looks up, all the lights are on, and he sprints away, books it. He said by the time he got to his truck, he looked back at the house, and he saw a silhouette in the basement doorway. Oh, frick, dude. I don't know what it was. I don't know who it was, but I got out of there. One time, my brothers and I were catfishing late on one of the bigger lakes on the property. Across from the water, we heard screaming. Not a female, but like a deep-voiced man screaming. And it sounded like he was banging sticks together and throwing large rocks into the water. We left. Smart. Shortly after I started my job, oh, shortly after I started a new job, I hadn't been back there since. So he left at one point, hadn't been back. Until one day, he decided to send his stories to us. When he did that, he thought, you know what? I'm going to stop back by and just see if anything else has happened. So he's like doing the most, doing the Lord's work. (laughs) It had been about nine years. So these stories that are coming up have happened since he left about nine years ago. And the rest, I think I'll share for patrons. So if you want to hear the rest, go to patreon.com slash the 3am pod. For $2 a month, we share an extra story every week. You can hear that and other bonus stuff that we do. Um, So for all of our regular listeners, thank you so much for listening. For all of our patrons, we'll... See you in a second. All right, patrons. I am continuing the story of L. Uh, he works on a in a prestigious hunting lodge somewhere in America. He wishes to remain anonymous and not So what sounds? There was screaming. There was rustling, moaning. Moaning. There was the wood knocking and wood throwing knocking. stuff in the like lake. The shower noises. Oh, the shower is terrifying. Because, yeah, at one point he realizes something's like, going on. What am I doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, those are the stories of the hunting lodge. Uh, thank you, L, for sending those in. Those were really fun. And if you do go back and you ask for more, we would love to hear more. Amen. Yeah. But that's me tonight, guys. Cool. And I think that might be all of us. Yep. All right. Uh, like I said, I don't even know if these are short ones. We always say we're going to do short ones, and they, <laughs> they are like just as long as normal ones. But yeah, we're going to be hasty and wrap this thing up. We're probably in Hawaii right now having a better time than you. Just kidding. <laughs> we're on a beautiful beach in the North Shore jumping off a rock into the sunset, uh, eating dank-ass food. So we appreciate you for <laughs> tuning in. We love you so much. Uh, send in your stories. And with that, bye, love it, be safe. Be careful out there. Peace. Oh, wait. Also, you can rate podcasts now on Spotify. So if you feel so inclined and you haven't done so, leave us a five-star review rating on Spotify and Apple Podcast. 
and uh, leave us a good review. If it's anything other than five or a good review, don't, don't bother. Leave it. Yeah. <laughs> Frick out of here, bro. We ain't need that. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.